Hey guys, this is Tanisha Nicole, and you are listening to Beyond the Bookshelf. I know it's been a while since our last show, but we're back. We have new authors with new books and, of course, new backstories to talk about. In today's episode, I had an opportunity to sit with Miss Barbara Howard. She wrote a book entitled Final Harvest, and I read it during the Texas winter storm. For those of you that may not know, I live in Houston. And I was without power for over 30 hours. So while I was without power, I decided to catch up on some of my reading and I read Final Harvest. What I did is I layered up, I put a couple of blankets on me, I put a robe on and I got underneath my covers and I read the book. I was so engrossed in the book that when I finished, I looked up and two hours had passed. That's how good this book is. So in today's episode, I have an opportunity to speak with the author Miss Barbara Howard, and we talk about the backstory, we talk about a main character, and we talk about some other characters along the way. I hope you guys enjoy. Before I introduced uh, guys to her, I want to talk to you about her story, or the, the, the book that she wrote. So she wrote this book called Final Harvest, and when I got access to the book, right before I got access to the book, I think I got access to it on a Friday, and I had started reading the book over the weekend. I think it would happen to be Valentine's Day weekend, I think. So I read the first, loved it, and then I had to put it down to go and do like other stuff. So for those of you that don't know, in Houston, we had a winter storm. And during this winter storm, our power went out. So I was without power for over 30 hours. And one night, I think it was the first full night that I was without power, I decided, well, now I have an opportunity to finish reading Final Harvest, which is Miss Barbara's book. So what I did is I got myself in the bed, I put on layers of blankets. So I had two blankets on me, I had a robe on, and then I was underneath the comforter and I used my um, iPad as uh, a flashlight and I read her book on my other device. And that's how I read the book. And I finished the book in about a couple of hours. And the time went by so fast because I'm a reader, I love to read. But I read the book and I was like, oh my God, this is so good. I can't wait to talk to Ms. Barbara about it. So that's how I read Final Harvest. With that being said, I want to officially introduce Ms. Barbara Howard to the show. Ms. Barbara, welcome. How are you? Thank you so much. It's great to be with you. And what an incredible story you just shared with me and your listeners. That is, I'm so pleased. I'm sorry you had to go through what you went through, but I guess I had a trapped audience. Huh? You had nothing else to do but read my story, but I'm glad you did. And I'm honored that you uh, offered to let me come on your platform. And when you said that you read it and you loved it, I was like, oh, she loved it. So like, don't make me cry. But I, I really appreciate you taking the time, especially under those circumstances uh, to read through the story. And I'm glad you got through it. And I'm glad you got through the storm and all the emergencies um, that ensued from that storm and that you're still alive and well and kicking and you're back on the air. So I, I kudos to you and I applaud you for, for pushing through, girl. Thank you. Thank you. It was rough, Miss Barbara. And I, I mean, I had never, I've lived in Virginia before where we, I experienced like a full winter, uh, very cold, 
you know, you have to scrape the snow off your car and still go to work and all those things. And when I lived in Virginia, I never lost power ever. So losing power for that many hours was completely new to me and it was cold outside, but I'm glad that we got through it. There are some people that are in Houston that are still getting through or going through the aftermath of the storm. Um, but we made it. I'm grateful for that. And I did have the opportunity to read the book. So let's get into the book. Okay. So when I first started reading, I when I first started reading any book, I always try to figure out how the story is going to go. I usually have an idea of what I believe will happen. And then at the end of the story, I can kind of go back and say, you know, oh, you were right about this or you're wrong about this. So when I first started reading this story, the main character's name is her name, Tracy. Tracy Simmons. Okay. Yes. I was trying to figure out who Tracy was. Like, I was trying to figure out who she was, like, as a woman. I know, you know, in her story, she talks about these different jobs that she's had. And then in this story, she actually got let go from a job. And I was trying to figure out who Tracy was. And as I kept reading, she was introduced to these other people that she didn't know about, had never seen. And then she seemed to be like fascinated by them or really intrigued by them. So much so that she kind of would go, you know, where they were to try to figure out what was going on. And so as I kept reading, I kept trying to figure out, well, what's going to happen here? And I will tell you, when I got to the end of the book, I didn't see any of that coming. So before I go on, oh, I didn't see any of that coming because I was trying to figure out Tracy. And I thought Tracy, I don't know what I thought. I, I thought that Tracy was going to go in a different direction. I thought that when she, you know, encountered the, the other people that she hadn't seen before, I thought she was just, it was going to be no big deal. Like she would just go on with her life and do what she did. And then she got like involved. So before I go on, can you talk to us a little bit about the story? For anybody that hasn't read Final Harvest, can you talk to us a little bit about the plot? Oh, absolutely. And I, and I love getting your perspective on that. Um, Tracy Simmons is a young woman, 25 years old. Uh, the story starts with her losing a job, um, as Tanisha just mentioned. She's with a temp agency, so she kind of goes from assignment to assignment with the hope of landing a permanent job. Um, she is someone who has graduated out of the foster care system, so her upbringing was a little shaky. You know, she didn't have a stable home environment, but um, with help from her caseworker, she's, you know, get, stay, trying to stay employed, and she purchased a home through this DIY, you know, vacant, <laughs> distraught property program. And she's trying to put down some roots. And the story goes on where on her way home, she comes across this farm in the middle of this neighborhood. And she's like, what is this doing here? Like, you know, it's a city. It's a, it's a, it's a small town, medium-sized city. And, you know, here are these people and this woman who owns this property and there's this young boy who's 14 years old among all of these adults working on this farm. And as the story goes on, there is, it is a mystery. It's a cozy mystery, which means there's no graphic violence. There is a dead body under a sheet. That's as 
violent as it gets. Um, there's no explicit sex or graphic violence or, you know, profanity. But there is a mystery to be solved. And I'm so glad you picked up on that. Why does she get involved? Like, why in the world would she bother with this? She already has everything going on in her life. Uh, you know, she's got to somehow survive. And I was thinking about the why, because that's so important in every story. And in Tracy's situation, I'm going to say this about women in general and, and women of color in particular. Um, we are expected to just absorb trauma on a regular basis and just go on about our lives. You know, you see something devastating happening and, you know, and then the news changes to the next story. And you're supposed to just like, oh, okay, now we're talking about some other devastating situation. And we tend to, to uh, absorb emotionally some things that maybe someone else doesn't bother with. Um, I'll give an example. A child was left by accident on a school bus. Freezing weather, hours later, they were reinstated and re reunited with their family. Now, as a woman, you look at that and say, well, that wasn't my child, but it could have been my child. And what if it was my child? And how can I make sure that it never happens to my child? And you're processing all of these things, but they've moved on to the next story. And you're supposed to dinner and act like you didn't just have all of those emotional reactions in your mind. And so here's Tracy. And she sees what happens to this young boy who now is wondering what's going to happen to him now that this person has has died. Um, there was something that came out a couple of years ago where someone posted that some young black boys will run away just to see if someone will come looking for them. And I never forgot that. And so that's a young boy named Milo in the story. Here he is now wondering what's gonna to happen to him now that this person is no longer alive. And Tracy picks up on that. Now everyone else could just walk past this scene and think, well, you know, whatever happens, happens. You know, no big deal. She can't go back and fix what happened in her life, but she can take a stand and say, you know what? I can try to fix this. And she's in a place where maybe she should sell her house and move away. Things don't seem to be working out. And I also wanted to show the inside of Tracy. She does suffer from some anxiety. She has some coping mechanisms that she uses to help herself de-stress and get back in the moment and, and, and not let her mind roam and, and, and take her to negative places. And so I wanted to show that. Um, there, there was a book that came out, very popular author, she wrote a story, a young woman was in a relationship. She broke up. She rebounded to another relationship. He wanted to get serious. They, she broke up with him. She didn't want to get serious. Then, you know, there's a happy ending and she decided, yeah, I want to be your girl after all. Yay, happy ending. But I kept thinking, but why is she like that? Why doesn't she want a relationship? Why does she keep pushing men away? Why does she, why is she, is she you know, this hardcore, strong black woman image like what, what what's making her that way so i wanted to give tracy's backstory and how her mind is working while she's doing what she's doing she's not a superwoman she's not a strong super uh you know um powerful person but she can identify with what's going on with these people and she decides i can't just turn and walk away from this I can't just act like I didn't see what just happened here. And 
even though she does what she can to correct the situation, even at toward the end, she's not sure that what she did is even going to fix it. But at least she tried to do what she could do and maybe she should move anyway. But she did, she put everything she could, she brought everything she could to bear on it. And that was enough for her. So, so that's where Tracy came from. I hope that answered the question <laughs> about that. It, it did. And I, you know, I was trying to figure out, cause like Tracy kept going. So even when she was advised to stop and to kind of leave it alone, she kept going. It's like, she couldn't let it go. And I wanted to ask you if Tracy, if her character is, is she based off of a real person or is it somebody that you just kind of conjured up and took from a, from a few different people or was she just completely made up as a character? Tracy started as a woman that was at least 10, 15 years older than that. Uh, you know, so she's, she's definitely different than the way I started with her. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to take a young woman who has dealt with what most black women have dealt with in, in society and put her, I'm not going to say most, a lot, you know, uh, not everyone has gone through foster care, obviously, but we've had disappointments. We've had things that we've had to overcome. We've had relationships that didn't work out. Um, I know young women who, you know, break up with their boyfriend and then he threatens to put all of their business out on social media and they're expected to just put on some lip gloss and go on about their day. Um, so I wanted to build a character that could resonate with 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 young young black women in particular and say you know what i know what she's feeling like i either they've been there uh they've been in unstable relationships or unstable job environments where in this case with tracy the the human resources director tells her you're very good at what you do you just don't fit in here and she's let go and because the next job she's given is a job as a bicycle courier that's literally being thrown into the streets, you know, where you may have taken a job or been part of a, a, a corporate culture where you don't fit in, where you could be the most talented person, the most skilled person, you may have the best resume, but you don't fit the culture or you're not getting the recognition that you should get. And you keep either being passed over or tossed aside. And in Tracy's situation, she's literally like, told, you know, we don't want you here anymore. And her next assignment was, she was given was like, we're not even going to put you in an office, a corporate environment anymore. You know, now you're going to be out here on the street on a bicycle delivering mail, which is not a bad job, but it is a slap in the face when someone says you're good at what you do, but, you know, bye girl, you know. So I wanted to, I wanted to put lots of different things in there that people could relate to. Um, and so, like I said, the main thing for me was showing a why. Why was she engaged? Why was home so important to her? Uh, why was preserving that home and that farm so important to her? So I needed to make sure that that was clear in 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 developing her backstory and her and her personality. That uh, and in, there is it's a part of a series. So in book two and three, you'll see a lot more about 
her relationship with um, the police officer that's involved. And, and yes, you're right. He kept telling her, don't get involved. Stay away. This is too dangerous. Let the police handle it. And so she's having to 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 decide, is it worth me getting out of my comfort zone and getting involved with people that, you know, I don't know um, how dangerous is it? Well, you know, these are things that women have to deal with on a daily basis anyway. Like it, you know, how safe do I feel in this environment? Uh, it could be a work environment. So I wanted to make sure that all of that was put in Tracy. So as I put her in conflict, I kept adding little, you know, an extra layer here and there, but her character started out as a totally different woman actually. Yeah, because even when you gave her, I say you gave her, even in the story when she has the bicyclist job, I was so surprised. I'm like, she went from this office environment to delivering mail via bike. And and as I kept reading, I'm like, well, that doesn't really seem like her. But and that's based off of, you know, who I believed her to be when I first started reading the story. And then as I kept reading, I saw how integral that bicycle job ended up being to the other things that happened within the story. And, you know, when and I did notice about the relationship with, with Tracy and the police officer, and I was wondering about that, too, because I'm thinking like, girl, he really, he's really into you. Like, why are you not picking up on the fact that he's into you? He's trying to help you. He's trying to look out for you. And you keep like blowing him off or keep making him into something that he's probably really not. But when you said that she came from a foster care environment, because I did forget about that part. When you said that she came from the foster care system, it's a completely different system. I would imagine because I've never been through that and I don't personally know anybody that has ever been in that situation. But I would imagine that it's very hard to trust people because you just don't know. You don't know who people are. You don't know who to trust. You're probably maybe in and out of things. So life for you is not constant. Or the constant is the if it is constant, it's constantly changing, or you know, it's constantly doing something that's not completely stable. So I think that as I read this and as you were talking about Tracy being in, in the foster care system, I thought, well, you know, she doesn't know how to receive this police officer. You know, I think a part of her wants to believe he is who she thinks he could be. But then there's another part of her that doesn't know based off of experience, based off of life, based off of circumstances and situations. And I think that she just, there's a lot of unknown there. And I, I was happy to see that at the end, you know, it ended the way that it did. And I'm not going to give away the ending, but I was happy to see that she started to let her guard down a little bit because he did seem like he was there to really look out for her and he was there to really help her. And I, I was very happy to see how you allowed that relationship between those two characters to really morph. Because again, as I started reading that, I did not see that connection. Like I didn't initially think that was gonna happen. And then as I kept reading, I was like, huh. But you know, isn't it a little bit weird for him to get involved with somebody that they were asking, you know, that they were questioning about, you know, where her whereabouts, how was she involved? Was she involved? So I was like, well, well, maybe, maybe it won't go the way that I think it will just because he's a police officer and, you know, she's, they were asking her questions too. 
And then, you know, as the story kind of naturally progressed, I said, oh, okay, well, this is going to go a little bit different. And I, I really liked the way that it turned, or I say it turned, because I just thought it was going to go in a different direction. Yeah. I, you know, it's really interesting. I asked the readers, the initial readers, um, specific questions about characters. And I mentioned the officer's name is Randall. I said, what did you think of Randall? And I got such a different perspective, depending on who I talked to. And I wanted a black police officer that was not a bad guy. That was, that was key. Um, and I got a reaction that was, he seemed like a really nice guy. So at the end, I think he's really a bad guy pretending to be a good guy. I thought, okay. And then it was, I thought he was a bad guy, but at the end he turned out to be a good guy. And so there were all of these different perspectives that was really like really interesting. And I thought, well, wow, what am I supposed to do with that? And I thought, no, that's good because in book two, you get to learn more about Randall. Um, I also wanted to have Ray Winston, who is, um, uh, a gentleman who I like, you know, people love to hate. He's very handsome. He's wealthy. He's intelligent. He's got influence in the community. And in Tracy's mind, that's who she should be interested in. Like he's the guy that's successful. He's the guy that can make things, you know, change things. He can, he could turn everything around like that for her because he's at the, at the core of some of the trouble in the community that she's having and so he's really like the guy, you know, he's the guy that, I don't know if you saw the the Super Bowl commercial with um, Michael B. Jordan and he's, he's Alexa. And she says, Alexa, oh, yeah. oh okay. He, he's, yeah, you remember that? that? Okay. And she says, Alexa, dim the lights. And when he dims the light, all the women in the room go, I want one of those, you know, I want that to be my Alexa, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's what Ray Winston is in the story. He's the one that everyone wants. And so that's a tug of war with her as well, because she has this kind of love hate situation with him. Like she's intrigued that he's intrigued with her. Mm -hmm. Like he keeps mm -hmm. trying to pull her over into his camp. And she's kind of like, why is he even interested in me? However, the offer that he makes to her, if you notice, is an internship, which is not security. It brings her closer mm -hmm. to him, but totally under his control and brings her absolutely no job security whatsoever. So there's that that wooing, drawing her in. And then there's there's Randall, who's the police officer who's supposed to be the secure one. But at the same time, she can't relate to him because she's never had a secure mm -hmm background and they get a little bit into that in book two where he can't relate to what it's like to be a runaway he can't relate to why mm -hmm. she's so stubbornly involved with trying to help these people in particular this 14 year old boy um in the story milo says this woman who passed away she used to always come looking for me well in the story now we have tracy coming to look for him this, this police officer can't relate to this. His upbringing was totally, you know, American pie, you know, you know, apple pie, mm -hmm. straight as an arrow. And so, you know, he doesn't understand the struggle. And yeah. you know, how could she possibly make him understand, I have to keep doing this. So she's got to keep that, that secret that I'm still going after this, but at the same time, keep him in her life at, at the same time. And in, in book two, 
their relationship goes on and he's now struggling with she's got this 14 year old kid in her life i really didn't sign up for this i'm really just trying to get next to this woman and she keeps like filling all of her time with how to make sure this kid is okay you know i don't know about this so you know i didn't want to continue that that was key you know having a police officer who's a black man who's not a bad guy i wanted to have a relationship that goes through rocky situations in book two and they stay together um and i wanted to help them get off the struggle bus i know people that wanted me to keep throwing her in the fire and i'm like i know that helps to move the plot along but i don't want to keep doing that to her just for the sake of keeping your attention plus i don't think it's realistic to 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 have her continue to make bad choices. I think, um, and depending on the audience as well, they wanted her situation to be because she made a mistake. And it wasn't that she made a mistake. She was handed this, this is the life she was given, and this is how she's trying to cope with it. And throughout all three books in the series, she continues to try to make the best life decisions that she can even with all of the backlash. So I didn't want to have this woman making poor decisions in relationships uh, or with this young boy or anything um, so that everyone could say, see, she deserved it because, you know, there she went, you know. Yeah. She, you know, she knew she wasn't yeah. supposed to do that. You know, I didn't want to do that to her. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought, I, I really liked the fact that she was so taken by Milo. And I thought that was, you know, I thought it was very admirable of her uh, to be taken by him. And when I say taken, I mean, like, she really cared for him. Like, she cared about his well-being. She, you know, and throughout the story, you could see kind of how sometimes she struggled, you know, financially to have food and, and get stuff and, what, and whatever. And then when Milo entered her life or, you know, she stumbled upon him. Um, she, you know, would find herself buying him, you know, food too, after the, after the older woman had passed away. And she just felt, I, I, I loved how she was such a caretaker. That's how I called it. A caretaker of Milo. And, and I think that she saw something in him that just made her, you know, wonder more about him and how could she help? Because, you know, the older lady was, well, I don't, you don't really know much about the older lady. And I wonder if you did that on purpose, because maybe the other, maybe the older lady is just kind of like, I don't want to call it a subplot, but you don't really find out much about her until you meet her husband and stuff like that. And even after you meet him, you still don't really know that much about her. And I did wonder about that. But um, with Tracy, you know, I really loved how she became such um, a caretaker. Uh, of him just to make sure he was okay after, you know, the, the older lady passed, passed away. But can I ask you, is there a reason why we really don't know that much about the older lady? About um, the, the woman that owned the, that owned the yeah, farm? The, you had to go to uh -huh. book three. You oh, had to get to book three. Okay. okay. There's a, there's a okay. little tie-in in book three. Um, not not a lot. I didn't get into too much about her, but you do. Um, there's a link between. There's a oh, there's enough of of I think 
there's enough of closure in book three, I think that will help you understand why she was so tenacious about holding on to that particular piece of property and why you couldn't blast her out of the, you know, out of it. Um, I know that in, in Final Harvest, her husband is the key to, you know, the mystery being solved. Actually, the hero of the story is the librarian um, who mm-hmm. helps them get, helps Tracy get the information um, to, mm-hmm. to figure things out. But yeah, the husband, uh, the widower, uh, technically mm-hmm. is, is the, the, you know, what you learn more about in book one. But um, he mentions that the woman didn't want to leave, didn't want to, you know, she would do anything to stay and hold on to everything. And so she had this image in the community of being the stalwart, strong uh, woman who cared for all of these people and, and so forth. And that's the way, that's the side of her that Tracy had learned about through these people that worked on the farm. But then when she meets the husband, the husband's like, no, that's not who she was at all. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't care nothing about those people. And you're like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. you know, what's, what's, you know, should I even be bothering to help if this is, you know, we don't even know what this is all about. So um, in book three, there's a, I think there's enough that you understand like why she, um, she wanted to be where she was and not necessarily the farm part of it or the people part of it, but why that land was so important to her. I think that, I think, I think that, I think, I think there's enough there, but if not, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Then I'll definitely have to read the other uh, two books. And uh, Ms. Barbara, I did want to ask you before we start wrapping up, I did want to ask you what caused you to write the book at, at the time that you wrote it? Oh my goodness. I think that I had been encouraging so many uh, young women in my family in particular, uh, you know, go after your dreams, do your thing, get out there. What have you got to lose? Blah, blah, blah. You know, all of those things. And I had started writing as a child and put it aside and went into technology and did all the things that you do. And, you know, bright lights, big city did all of that. And then, um, 2008, I wrote a little children's book and then I put it down. You know, so you pick things up, you put them down, you pick them up, you you know, yeah. And 2020 came along and I'm like, all the things that you never did, you probably should just go ahead and do it. <laughs> you know, if you, if you didn't do it before, this is the year to actually do it because we don't know what's going to be happening, you know, next week or next month or, you know, do, do the thing. And so I, I decided I'm going to do this. I gave myself insane deadlines. I said I wanted to have this three-part novella series put together. I, 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 I did the pre-orders and I put it up on Amazon. And so like, these are my hard deadlines. I'm going to make this happen. And so I really pushed myself to, to write and to complete the process. Um, the other thing was I got feedback from the first book and everyone was like, what happened to Milo? Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to put a big chunk of him, you know, I'm going to give him big pages, more and more pages. Like, we want to know, you know, what happened to him because, you know, and someone else said, where's Randall's brother? Like, who? <laughs> it mm-hmm. was, you know, it was like a, a mention 
of a, a little bit of a you know background story in a restaurant conversation you know his brother was in the military and blah 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 and, and so someone was saying a family that i love and they said we want to know what happened to randall's brother where's randall's brother and it's like you know what book two randall's brother you know mm -hmm. so along mm -hmm. with the feedback and the encouragement it really pushed me to complete the process um some great online writing groups helped me as well to be disciplined about it. But really 2020 was just in your face, whatever you were thinking about doing, you, you best just go ahead and do it, girl. So, so that's yeah. why I went ahead and got started with it. And then out of that, um, I had the opportunity to um, this coming year, well, 2021, uh, I'll do a spinoff short story off of book three in an anthology that's coming out. And so it's kind of now that, you know, you have readers and people saying, you know, if you keep writing, I'll keep reading. I'm like, then, you know, another book's coming, you yeah. know, so, um, and I'm glad for it. I'm happy for it. And and I'm happy when people read it and they enjoy it and, and get back in touch with me. Yeah. So did you write all three books in the, in a short amount of time? Yes, I started in um, this in March-ish, May, no, May-ish, yeah, May of 2020. Wow. August wow. book one came out, August 1st book one came out. Um, my grandfather's birthday, October 18th was book two, and then December 6th was book three. Wow. Yeah. So did you write, um, Yeah. I'm assuming the answer is no. But I was going to ask you, did you write a continuous story and break it up in three parts? No. no, and I do. Some people have asked me that. And no, that's not how I did it. And I think that probably would be a really super smart thing to do. But that's not how I did it. Um, <laughs> I do. I do plotting. And so I plotted out the story and then I plotted out book two but I think for me because I was being kind of ongoing live feedback based on the readers of book one that it started to alter what was happening like 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 Randall's brother you know Randall's brother did not exist except in a sentence a half of a sentence mm -hmm. in a you know in book one he was not a person and mm -hmm. so suddenly he had to become a person. And gotcha. now he's he's a huge piece of what's happening in book three. So I don't, for me, um, just because of how I kind of did everything rapid fire, um, it, it didn't, it didn't, you know, that process didn't work for me. But I think that it's probably smarter to write all three in one giant book and then split it in the but again, because of the way I think, I need to mm -hmm. see the character arc. I need to see, you know, the action in the, you know, I have to see that structure. I'm so structure oriented that I think it would be hard for me to divide it up and do justice to all the character development because the character development, you know, you mentioned so much about Tracy. We've been talking about the different ones. Um, that's really the most important thing to me. And I think that um, conflict can drive character development, but if you don't really put it in my face that I can see at the end of the story, she's changed or he's changed or something is twisted. Like you said, you didn't see that coming. Um, 
that, you know, I can continue to throw her in the fire, but if she doesn't change, you know, what's the point of that, mm -hmm. right? Um, if, mm -hmm. if, if lives aren't changed or she doesn't grow, what's the point of constantly putting her in trouble, you know? Um, yeah. So I think for me, I probably will, you know, keep doing it the way I do it. <laughs> but um, they were three totally separate, separate books. Okay. And I think uh, I, I love how the audience actually became like an active participant, meaning like Randall's brother was just a, just a sentence, you know, and then somebody asked you about him and then, you know, you made him into a character. And that's, I think that's pretty cool because I think that sometimes um, as authors, you don't always expect your book to kind of be received the way that it is good or bad or, or whatever. And then sometimes, you know, the smallest thing that's kind of really insignificant, you know, somebody really picks up on that thing and then it becomes much bigger than what you anticipated. I think that's amazing because I was on uh, this podcast earlier today and I was talking to her about authors and their audiences, you know, and how if you can really tell the story, then people will really get invested and they get so invested to where if you have one book, two books, three books, every time you launch a new book, they want to read the new book. And if it's a part of a series, then, you know, if they really love book one or book two or whatever, then they go back and read the entire series because they're that invested. And I think that it's really cool how, you know, your, some of your readers helped you write the next set of books. Definitely. I mean, definitely. I really was surprised at the reaction about Milo. I didn't think Milo was going to be, you know, blow up to be, you know, a main, super main character. I had decided that he was going to have his back a little bit more about his backstory and his life. And I wanted to see this young boy come into his own uh, in book three, because I wanted to show this generation mm -hmm. coming up and, you know, all of Tracy's efforts were worth it because now he's starting to to find his place in the world and not end up dead in the streets, right? So I definitely mm -hmm. wanted to do that in book three, but I didn't know that it would be anticipated so much that um, you know they want everyone wanted to see his outcome. That I wanted to do, and I know you you want to wrap up, but I want to mention this real quick. It was key to me to mention people who had uh, disabilities or disabilities that you could see. So, you know, the librarian is in a wheelchair and it's, it's not so much that I needed to put someone in a wheelchair. You know what I'm saying? I just wanted to put them in a normal environment and in a normal environment, you see people with all different types of situations. And um, with um, book three, uh, Milo's girlfriend has a, uh, uh, is visually impaired. So the people that you see in your life, people that you meet in your life, I wanted to make sure that there is a mixture of all type of people uh, in the stories. And so that was another thing that determined how people interact. And I wanted to mm -hmm. show you're interacting with people the same way you would any other people. They, you know, they're, they're just as big part of your life as any, anyone else. And everyone's not perfect. And I didn't want to, you know, like I said, I didn't want to have a superwoman that can absorb all of these arrows and not somehow manifest some type of emotional reaction to a situation so um you know so that was another thing that uh i wanted to make sure i had included too which is not necessarily um 
reader feedback, but it was really a com a, a conversation that was going around, as you were saying, in the you know in the author community about making sure representation in our stories showed inclusion of you know all types of people. Yeah, and and I I I remember that part of the story as well because that and it stuck out to me. It stuck out to me because I'm in I'm in school, and uh, so when I'm not doing my own thing, I'm a student, and I'm learning about different disabilities because that's one of the courses that I have to take. And so when I read that part of the story, it made me think of reading parts of the textbook that I had that, that's required reading about you know, people with disabilities and, and, and that kind of thing. So I was very happy to see that you put that in the story because a lot of times you don't see that. And it was just, it was a natural thing. It wasn't like, because sometimes you can tell if you're trying to force something in just to make sure, oh, I, to kind of check this box off, oh, I did this and I did that. I have this character, I have this character, I have that thing. And it was just a natural um, inclusion. I've seen that as well. Um, and you sit back and go like, well, what was the point of even mentioning that? You know, why, why? You know, why did you tell me this person is an Asian lesbian? How, how does this relate to the story at all? You know, so, yeah. uh, you know, and I've seen that, you know, like, okay, congratulations. You know, you can check that you had, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's so mm -hmm. obvious. But um, in describing the environment, I had someone tell me today that, I, you know, the description of the environment that they're in, they're in a barbershop or they're in the, you know, they're in a farm or they're, you know, wherever they are in her office. Um, you'll see that in book two, um, Tracy in an office, actually, um, and the type of office that she has. And they say like, you, you know, describing where someone is, being in the wheelchair is part of where someone is. It's part of the setting. You know, mm -hmm. if someone is seated in a chair at a restaurant, they could also be seated in a wheelchair. I mean, you just you're just describing mm -hmm. the environment without necessarily pointing out I have someone that, you know, is visually impaired, you know, or or whatever the situation is. So you describe their activities and their actions and how people interact with them. And that involves them not being able to see well, you know, right. or, or whatever it is, but it's not like, oh, and so and so so-and-so was an aging lesbian like okay mm -hmm. well congratulations you know mm -hmm. what do I do with that you know so yeah. yeah that was that was important to me too but yeah definitely reader feedback for sure okay good good well Miss Barbara it's been a pleasure having you on the show before we officially wrap is there anything that you want to share with the audience share with the listeners anything that you want to promote or highlight uh, and, and then the last thing I want you to, to tell us is how we can find you on the social media platforms. Okay, great. And it's been a joy being with you and talking to you about the book. Um, as we mentioned, it is part of a series. Um, so it's a novella series. It's easy to get in and get out of. It's, as Tanisha was saying, she read it under her comforter with her. I can't believe that girl. Oh my God. But anyway, it was easy to get through even in a storm storm with no power, you know, that's how easy it is to read. Um, and so books one, two, and three are available on all platforms. I actually put all three of them under one cover. So you can just buy the whole series under one cover. Uh, if you're interested in just doing that, 
Um, but book one is only 99 cents on Kindle. So again, it's easy to get in and read and, you know, decide if you want the rest of it. Um, I do have, like I mentioned, the children's book. It is called A Day with the Animals. It just came out on audio now. Um, and you can check that out as well. If you go to my website at barbarahowardmedia.com and click on the picture of the book, it'll give you all the buttons. So you don't have to run around and look for the websites. You can just click on your, the button of choice. The other thing that I push is you can just contact your local library and tell them you want to read this book and they can easily add it to their digital library and it won't cost you a penny. Uh, you can read them on overdrive, won't cost you a cent. So I'm really interested in, in readers in reading community. So, um, I, I love libraries and book clubs just as much as anything else that, you know, Amazon can do. So uh, at barbarahowardmedia.com, you can find the books. Uh, if you want to uh, check out my children's book, I do have a couple of promo codes that I could give away. So if you want okay. to go over to my website and subscribe. Uh, subscribe subscribe to my blog. I think that's going to be the easiest way to do it. Subscribe to my blog and then uh, I'll put up a post and, and pick someone at random and just give you a promo code. You can have the audio for that. So I think that's all I need to promote right now. Thanks a lot. Okay. Okay. Well, Miss Barbara, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I actually want to have you back after I've read the other two books so we can continue this uh, lovely conversation. Hey. And I won't have to read those two books in the storm, but uh, I want to have you back on the show so I can talk, talk to you about book two and three. Awesome. I can't wait to get your feedback. And I hope that it, it ties up all the little bits and pieces from book one. And, and I think you'll be happy. I hope you like it. I hope you do. Okay. I'm sure that I'm sure that I will. And Ms. Barbara, it's been a pleasure having you on Beyond the Bookshelf. I will talk to you later and we will definitely, definitely keep in touch. Thank you. Bye. Bye everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you're an author, you have a special opportunity to work with me. If you need help mastering your message and managing your social media, please reach out to me at Tanisha Nicole at beyondthebookshelf.co, or you can click on the work with me link on beyondthebookshelf.co. See you soon.